E is brought to you by the University of Delaware Partnership for Public Education. In an effort to increase the availability and accessibility of UD expertise to Delaware's P-12 educators, leaders, and policy influencers, we have invited faculty members from the University of Delaware's nine colleges to share their research. We hope you enjoyed today's critical conversation and consider ways you might be able to leverage relevant research and UD expertise to advance policy and transform practice. My name is Liz Farley Ripple. I'm the director of the Partnership for Public Education and also serve as a faculty member in the School of Education. On today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Aaron Kupchik, Professor of Sociology and Criminal Justice at the University of Delaware. Dr. Kupchik studies policing and punishment of juveniles, and in addition to several books and academic papers on this topic, he's written for broader audiences, including a piece in The Conversation and an op-ed in Delaware's own news journal. We've asked him here to share his timely research on policing and schools. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to hear about your research in this area, but first I want to ask a bigger picture question. Why are so many people talking about police in schools? In Delaware, we call them school resource officers. Why is it important? Well, I think that uh, the reason that so many people are focused on this issue right now is because of the questions about policing, uh, calls to defund the police, and social protest over law enforcement that we've seen um, since the killing of George Floyd. The, the effort to defund the police, the call to reform and even defund the police has people thinking more critically for the first time in a very long time about the types of issues and problems we expect to, the police to address. In the United States, we have long seen the criminal justice system as a fix to all sorts of problems, right? E even problems that we wouldn't normally think of as crime. Um, think about drug courts, for example. If you're not familiar with drug courts, they're innovation in the last few decades where we take people who are addicted to drugs and we after they're arrested they if they're lucky get diverted to a drug court where they get a lot of treatment and are seen by a judge now on the one hand more people are getting treatment than if they just got locked up but the reason why we should be treating what i would call a health crisis in the justice system as opposed to simply the medical system is unclear Right? It's because we see the criminal justice system as the way to attack problems. Think about how um, you know, the police are the, the first, I guess, uh, responders for homelessness um, and, and other sorts of poverty problems as well. Right? So in our, in our country, we've long seen the justice system as a fix to all sorts of problems. The same is true when thinking about why we have police officers in, in school. So schools are a perfect example of this. School crime is way down. In fact, it's been going down since about 1993. We need supports for students in schools, not law enforcement, but this has been the case for decades. And yet we've been increasing our policing presence in schools throughout that time because of the assumption that police officers would help kids who go to schools, even though there's very little evidence to support that. I think that this notion of, of questioning it really represents important change. In the past several years, it seems that once or twice per year, perhaps there's a, some video that goes viral showing a school resource officer uh, abusing a student, right? Perhaps the most watched one was in South Carolina of uh, a young woman being thrown across the room by a school resource officer because she refused to leave a classroom 
after having her cell phone out. Um, and these videos go viral. And instead of calling for policy reform, the public tends to individualize, to say, well, that particular SRO is a bad cop and we need to get rid of that SRO. Rather than rethinking whether or not schools are the right environment for police to be on a daily basis. We ask police to do so much in schools. We ask them to enforce the law. We ask them to teach law-related courses. We ask them to mentor students. We ask them to direct students to social service resources they might need and be a positive role model. Some of the tasks they not only aren't trained for, but they aren't as well equipped to do as would others like a trained counselor. It's not fair to students or to the SROs who are asked to do so much. So the answer to your question, why we think about it now, it's because we've come to look more critically at the role of police officers generally in society. And schools are uh, an important place where police officers are present every day. Thanks. You, in that comment, you mentioned the evidence on policing in schools. And since the primary purpose of the Evidence for Education podcast is to dig into the research evidence on critical issues, let's talk more about that. Based on your work and others who study this issue, what does policing in schools look like across different contexts? Well, we know that students of color are more likely to be arrested in schools than our white students, and that most arrests of students in schools are from minor misbehaviors uh, rather than violence. So we're not talking necessarily, you know, most arrests aren't for committing violence or, or even having drugs or alcohol, but they're for minor uh, incidents. In my own research, for example, I have looked through many, many files of students being arrested only for resisting arrest. There's no underlying charge, just resisting arrest, which in many of these cases means that they might've mouthed off to a police officer. A police officer gave them an order that they didn't appreciate and it led to some sort of argument. Um, so their crime became, or the crime was their interaction with the police officer. Um, so we know that students of color are more likely to suffer this fate. Recently emerging research tries to understand how this became the case or how, why this is the case. Uh, I have one paper with several co-authors that, that just appeared in the journal Social Problems, for example, that looks at how different school resource officers perceive threats. So police officers in schools, SROs, uh, they, they are attuned to helping students and, and protecting students from threats. And what we did was we looked at how SROs that were stationed in mostly middle-class white schools and schools with mostly lower income students of color, how they look differently at what threats they might face. And we found a really interesting divergence between the two. Those in the wider, more middle-class schools or schools with more white middle-class students tended to see threat as something external. Their overwhelming concern was that somebody would come to the school and wish to do students harm, right? Now that could be an estranged parent going through custody battle, or it could be somebody with a gun who wanted to commit mass violence, but they were worried about protecting the students from outside threat. And they were so focused on things like locked doors, making sure all doors were constantly closed and, and locked. In the schools with more lower income students of color, the SROs were focused on students themselves as threats. They were wary of these students' uh, potential to 
uh, commit crime or violence or bring drugs to school or bully or do other things that would require their intervention. And that was what they're highly tuned to. That sort of difference is really important because it means that the policing goals are different across different contexts based on class and race ethnicity. Other research as well finds uh, that um, this has an impact on, on arrest rates. For example, uh, a recent study uh, by Homer and Fisher in the Journal of School Violence analyzing national data, nationwide data, finds that schools with SROs have more arrests than other matched similar schools, but particularly of black students. And yet another paper that co-authors and I have uh, published recently um, in Law and Society Review, we try to understand more about how this, the, these problems are produced, right? So what is it about these interactions that might be uh, negative for, uh, or that might, what is it about these interactions that might be disadvantageous to black students in particular? What we find is, I think, really interesting uh, is that we found that in many interviews with school resource officers in a Southern state, they tended to list their priorities where their first priority overwhelmingly, almost unanimously was simply to, to maintain safety and security. And their second priority, again, uh, fairly unanimously was to encourage students to trust police. We, we, some even referred to it as public relations work. They said, we're a walking billboard for the sheriff's department um, and use the word one or two even use the term public relations, but they all or almost all described it similarly. What they sought to do was teach students that, it, that the police are good, that any anti-police rhetoric is bias uh, in, that is caused by a, uh, a negative and lying news media. You know, and, and that if they have to arrest people, including family members of some of these students, then it's just the people's fault for committing crime. Uh, they were particularly focused on teaching this lesson to the students who they thought were most likely to interact with police negatively. Students of color, immigrant students, low-income students, and students whose family members had experience with the justice system. So they went out of their way in particular to try to interact with these students, focusing on them and trying to teach them that everything they might've learned in their community about critical views of policing were wrong and lies and that they need to trust the police. Now, certainly if more people trusted the police, that, that would be a good thing. Uh, if more people had positive relationships with the police, that would be a good thing. But this has negative consequences as well. It means that there's a lot more surveillance given to some students than others. And if you follow, well, almost any student around long enough, you'll find something they do wrong. Right? So more surveillance means more chances that they will be observed doing something wrong. It also raises concerns about what happens when students learn messages of trusting police that just don't resonate with their lived experiences or what they've learned in their communities. Right. Certainly over this past summer, as we saw the collective anger being voiced, particularly in communities of color and in cities across the country, uh, you know, those who aren't familiar with some of these problems hopefully realize that uh, for many people in our society, uh, the police are not seen as a trusted body. So 
what happens when, when these, uh, the teaching uh, conflicts with what they learn. So you know, this is one way I think of understanding how even well-intended police were there to try to help kids can sometimes create negative consequences, particularly for those who are at greatest risk of criminal justice involvement. That is really interesting. And I, I really appreciate that the research has looked at so many different contexts and so many different aspects of the work of police and schools. So what do we know about the impact of SROs on schools? Well, several different outcomes have been studied or impacts have been studied uh, so far by several different researchers interested in the subject. Uh, one that most people are concerned about is, is crime and misbehavior. Certainly, while it's not the only goal, a major goal of putting police officers, officers in schools is to reduce student crime, reduce student misbehavior, and in that way maintain better safety. The research on this in general is mixed. Some studies do show that police can lead to less student crime, but the majority of studies show either no effect or that the presence of a school resource officer results in worse outcomes, meaning more student crime and misbehavior. Behavior. In fact, the stronger studies in terms of their, their methodologies tend to support these negative effects rather than seeing improvements in student behavior. Another outcome that's been studied is about trust and perceptions of safety. Here too, we have inconsistent findings. Several studies do show that school resource officers can enhance students' perceptions of safety in their school, but this too is inconsistent. In a recent study, co-authors and I explored this and found that it's even inconsistent, not just across studies, but within students in a way. We spoke to a lot of students across grade levels and found that many of them reported that they appreciate having the SRO there. The SRO helps them feel safer. But we also noted them talking about how the presence of the SRO also made them feel more anxious. So it's sort of like, circular in that way, that they assume that the necessity of having an armed officer in their school meant that there was danger to be feared, and yet they were glad there was an officer there to protect them from that danger. So we really have mixed findings and somewhat inconsistent uh, findings. It's important to keep in mind, though, again, that schools are relatively safe places. They're one of the safest places kids can be. School crime has been declining now for almost 30 years across the board and across the country, including violence and property crime and other sorts of victimization. Schools are relatively safe. Certainly unfortunate things happen in schools uh, and we should always try to make them safer environments. But it's not the case that schools are in some crisis point where they are these dangerous places and spaces for children to be. Another outcome of putting police officers in schools that has been studied quite a bit is school discipline. The concern here is that the placement of police officers in schools doesn't just lead to more arrests, which it does, but that it leads to more suspensions and school punishments, not necessarily criminal punishments. On this one, we have consistent results. Research consistently shows that the presence of police officers increases schools' use of exclusionary punishments like suspensions. Now, these punishments have important long-term and broad harms. Research shows that uh, they hurt individual students, they hurt entire school communities, they hurt families, they, they hurt 
communities at large. Um, being suspended in school is most commonly for very minor misbehavior, like talking back to teachers or, or being disorderly or disruptive in class. Nuisance behaviors that can be difficult to deal with, but that maybe aren't best solved by kicking a child out of school for a period of time. Students who experience those, however, they themselves risk um, consequences like uh, failing classes, being held back a grade, failing to graduate, facing future unemployment, a uh, future uh, risk of arrest and incarceration even. Their schools face consequences. Research has shown that entire school communities that have higher suspension rates tend to have lower test scores among the non-suspended students when compared to similar schools. Parents face consequences. Uh, one study that, that I was involved in, we interviewed parents and grandparents, for example, of students who'd been kicked out of school and heard just devastating stories of how their repeated negative experiences with the school had impacted them from things like uh, physical trauma to, to unemployment because of having to leave work so many times, family conflict, and so on. These punishments are, are very impactful. It's important to keep in mind, though, when thinking about what the impacts are, that we need to specify impacts for whom. School resource officers are advantageous to pretty much everyone else in school, but not on balance for students. If I were a school administrator, I would want a police officer in my school because they are a legal advisor for all sorts of things that can come up. Uh, imagine there's a, you know, a threat written in Sharpie on a, a bathroom wall and the administrator needs to evaluate how serious a threat that is. An SRO can be helpful there. The SRO can handle all sorts of problems uh, and deal with all sorts of problems that might not be anticipated. And if some, the worst does happen and there is serious violence, the administrator and school district can claim we did everything possible. We had law enforcement here. So it protects from liability as well in that way. They can be a comfort to teachers who know that if they ever have serious problems with a student, there's somebody there, uh, some muscle there to back them up. But on balance, the research shows that they um, have more harms than benefits to students. So they can be advantageous, their impacts are advantageous to everyone on balance, but students. What about mentoring? Can SROs mentor students in ways that are effective? Well, certainly that is a primary goal. Uh, in addition to safety of SRO programs. And I've watched firsthand uh, caring SROs do really good work in, in helping students. But the problem is, even though SROs may be extremely well-intentioned and caring, and, and for what it's worth, most SROs who I've met and have studied are well-intentioned, caring, good people who earnestly want to help children. They're simply not as well-trained or well-equipped to do that as other personnel would be, namely counselors, trained counselors. SROs might have, you know, they might be parents, they might be caring people who know how to talk to children. They might have a, a small bit of training in how to interact with different types of kids, uh, including kids with disabilities, you know, kids come from different backgrounds. But that bit of training and background is nowhere near the extent of training that somebody whose uh, profession is counseling young people would be. So they're not as well-trained, but they're also not as well-equipped by nature of being a police officer. They cannot hold somebody's confidence if a student talks about any illegality. 
right? If a student is having a problem and that problem happens to involve, let's say a high school student who's worried about their friend's drug use and just wants emotional support. But now all of a sudden they're talking about criminal activity that the police officer is gonna act on. Um, you know, one could think of other examples as well. They simply cannot hold a student's confidence if there's some criminal behavior involved. There are also consequences uh, to uh, talking to an SRO if uh, if involves your own illegality, you know, crimes that, that you've committed, uh, certainly uh, vulnerability. So, you know, when compared, so yes, to answer your question, certainly SROs can be good mentors, but they're not as nearly as well positioned as a counselor, a trained counselor for helping to mentor students in that way. I think this is really interesting. And I, I appreciate that you've unpacked many different outcomes that folks ought to be considering when thinking about the role of police in schools, but also the different um, audiences, for lack of a better word, that receive those benefits or harms, right? And so thinking about adults and students complicates the, the issue further. What I'm picking up here is that the primary justification for having police in schools seems to be safety. And the evidence is a bit uneven, maybe even conflicting on some of those outcomes. So what does keep schools safe? Well, what does keep schools safe is having a positive, inclusive social climate. Right. We've known for, for years, uh, education researchers have found for years the importance of, so, of school climate in um, helping schools maintain safe environments, building relationships and trust, listening to students, valuing them in ways that they can see. These things are crucial for establishing safety because students are less likely to violate the norms uh, in an environment where they feel value and, and that they value too. The problem is that often the presence of school resource officers can weaken the school climate. In one study, for example, uh, where I was embedded in schools did, doing field research for a number of years, um, my study found that the presence of school resource officers can have subtle effects on the school climate. With police officers in schools, schools become slightly less a site of students' social, emotional, and academic well-being being cared for and slightly more sight of law enforcement. Now, certainly somebody could say, well, well, they can do both and, and they can, but there are times when we choose how to respond to certain issues that might arise. Let me give you an illustration. One day I was in a school, I was shadowing the SRO, who by the way, was an excellent, very caring, kind SRO who sincerely wanted to mentor and help students and the SRO gets a call to come to the office. There is some emergency. So we, we run to the office and there was a student who was at first speaking, but over the course of about 10 minutes became incapacitated, clearly had taken some substance. And after another 20 minutes, they called an ambulance and the student left on, on a stretcher. And well, the SRO got to work trying to understand first what it was that this child had ingested that, that would cause this because this is a serious health issue. And they, the SRO found some pills in the student's backpack. So we tried to figure out, we went to the drug pill book. We went to Walgreens to have the pharmacist help. And um, at first the, the theory was that it was ecstasy. 
um, student classmates of the students later came up and said, no, actually the student drank a bottle or two of Robitussin. So it wasn't an illegal drug, but it was the illegal use of over-the-counter cough syrup, which will incapacitate a student. And this student was in the hospital for a period of time, including the mental health board. The school's response was, you know, think about how could a school respond? The school has a therapist on staff. Is this a suicide attempt? Is this a danger to classmates? Um, you know, how would you respond? The school's response was to ask the SRO to deal with this. So this very caring, uh, I would say, you know, fatherly SRO. And next time I saw him a couple of days later, he was very frustrated. I walked into his office. He was very frustrated. He was looking through his, um, you know, CPL's criminal complaint book and was frustrated because he wasn't sure what he could charge the student with, but he knew he needed to charge the student with a crime. Again, very caring fatherly SRO, but because he was asked to deal with this rather than a therapist, a counselor, uh, something that might've been a suicide attempt. So, you know, at very least was, you know, poor judgment among a young person. It became a law enforcement issue, not a mental health crisis. I, I could list many other illustrations like this where well-intended people trust the police officer to respond to difficult problems. And in that way, it is more likely to shift to being seen as a legal problem rather than a problem of other needs and, and uh, such as mental health limitations or social limitations and so on. Well, that's a fascinating example. And I think that's really helps illustrate the sort of that different actions can create different feelings or uh, climates within schools. Uh, so this is an example of sort of when the SROs are focused on students. Um, in your prior comments, you also talked about examples, uh, particularly in more affluent uh, schools where uh, SROs are thinking more about the external threats, right? So I'll ask directly, what about school shootings? What do we know about those cases? Well, this is obviously extremely important, um, you know, but it's something we don't know as much about. First, we know little about how to prevent school shootings because they are rare events. And I know that might seem odd to some listeners because we hear about them, we're very focused on them. Um, and, you know, and they are horrific events, obviously that, that are very frightening and are too common no matter, you know, if there's just one, it's too common, obviously. But schools, again, are relatively safe places. In, for example, the most recent year that the National Center for Education Statistics reports data, 2016-2017, there were 18 homicides of students at school that year. 18 homicides, of course, it is too many. But when we think about all the other potential, you know, all the other causes of death that children suffer from, 18 is, is minuscule in comparison to any other way uh, that, that students are at risk of death. So it's not as if schools have become this site where, you know, uh, children are you know, at risk of dying when they walk through the doors. So millions of students go to public schools. 18 is such a small number. Again, one we want to reduce to zero. Um, I'm not trying to minimize the harm or the, the fear that they cause. But the small number means it's hard to study variation. There, you know, some schools with shootings over the years have had SROs and some have not. So it's not as if we only see one or the other. There have been uh, 
incidents that where an SRO intervened effectively and many where they haven't intervened effectively. There, in general, there's no evidence that the presence of an SRO prevents shootings in schools. Again, that's based on a very thin base of evidence because there's, there just aren't many cases to study, thankfully. But one study that I find very helpful in thinking about this is that uh, uh, was done by Eric Madvis, criminologist, uh, a few years ago, who did research on averted school shootings, averted attacks. These were incidents where a student had a plan and to, for, for shooting and it was foiled. The, the plan was averted. And what he did was he, he looked at those studies of, of successes in, in terms of preventing it from actually happening to find out how it happens so that we can build them. And as you might expect, it largely, they, they were averted because another student found out the plan and told an adult. Okay, so the key is having a trusted adult. Now, proponents of SRO programs might say, aha, see, that's one of the main reasons why we want to put SROs in schools so that a student can tell them if something like that is going to happen. Of the 11 incidents that this criminologist was able to study, only two of them involved a student telling an SRO. The other nine of the 11, the student told another adult who they trusted. So what I take from that is that the key isn't having police in schools. The key is having trust in schools. The key is having adults who a student can trust and tell them if they know something bad is going to happen. In general, though, and again, there, there are a few cases to study, little variation to, to study in terms of you know, predictions. Um, but there is no consistent evidence that having SROs prevents shootings. Other programs and practices that really help to keep schools safe, that have evidence in support of them, include things like restorative justice, positive behavioral interventions and supports, social-emotional learning strategies, um, and so on. It, you know, there are a variety of different evidence-based approaches to trying to prevent and respond to student misbehavior that, that can be very effective if they are implemented well. But these take resources, they take time, they take energy. One of my concerns is that uh, we spend a lot on policing and punishment in schools and in the zero-sum game of very limited educational and public school budgets, that, that means less funding to the strategies that have far more evidence in support of them, like the ones I just mentioned. That's really great. And I appreciate that you know, people have taken up this and understand why it's hard to study and develop conclusive findings about. But that does go back to your original point that what keeps kids safe and what makes schools safe are trusting, inclusive environments and, and positive school climate. So I think that's a really important takeaway and maybe the best note to end on. I found this has been really eye-opening and I appreciate you taking the time to talk about these issues. I know you've advocated for the conversation around policing in schools to be evidence-informed, and I hope today's conversation adds to the ongoing dialogue in Delaware and beyond. For those of you who are interested in learning more about Dr. Kupchik's work, we've linked to some great accessible pieces in the comments below. Please stay tuned for his most recent work featured in Social Problems. Aaron, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me as part of this discussion. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Evidence for Education, brought to you by the University of Delaware Partnership for Public Education. 
We hope you join us for our next episode featuring Dr. Ken Shores and a discussion of his work on school finance reform. For more information about the work being done by the Partnership for Public Education, please visit our website at www.udel.edu forward slash PPE.